And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hey, Gavin. Hey, how are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm okay. Yeah. Where are you? I am in my kitchen in uh, Boston, Massachusetts. Oh, man. I like Boston. I obviously haven't been there in a little while, but I typically mm. go there at least once a year. Yeah. Last time I was there was my birthday. I played mm-hmm. at the House of Blues on February 1st, 2020. I think that makes sense. Yeah. Just in under the wire of uh, COVID. Just under the wire, yeah. Yeah. How's Boston feeling, considering the last two years of our lives? Well, I, I mean, I'm certainly, I don't know if I'm a good judge of that um, at this point, just because I've been sort of isolated with, obviously with COVID. And, um, you know, I have some, I have two kids and some family issues. So, you know, it's been, it's hard for me to gauge. 
I can tell you that the roads are in terrible shape with potholes. <laughs> um, more and more development is happening in neighborhoods that were formerly, you know, inexpensive and full of young kids, not necessarily college kids, but younger people who are, you know, in bands and, and so forth. And venues and practice spaces are seemingly dwindling. Yeah. It would seem at least smaller venues. Um, Is TT the Bear still there? TT's is gone. Middle East still there? Middle East is there, but it doesn't seem, at least not as far as I know, doesn't seem to have the same sort of community centered around indie rock or, or whatever that it, it seemed like it used to. Again, I, I, it could be thriving in certain areas. I don't know. But yeah. um, the Middle East is definitely not a place where I had been seeing shows over the last 10 years, really. You know, uh, there was a great, a really great club called Great Scott in the neighborhood here, which unfortunately also closed. And then just down the street from me, they just are opening like a 3,500 capacity venue. So that's all well and good. But if you can't fill 3,500 people. Yeah. So the vent, small venues seem to be kind of disappearing. I think there's informal shows happening and maybe a record store or basements or something. Yeah. You know, one thing, it's sort of the same thing happening here in Seattle. But one thing that interestingly happened over the pandemic is the Crocodile Cafe. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Not yeah. only moved, but greatly expanded into, a, I believe it's a three venue performance space now. And uh, karate is going to play in one of those. I believe. Okay, great. Yeah. So, Well, I know, you know, given the fact that we were involuntarily uh, at home, us rock and roll people, did you find yourself doing anything you wouldn't expect musically over the last couple of years? Um. Yes. Um, and then that would be a virtual withdrawal from music making. Really? <laughs> to some extent. Yeah. I just, yeah. you know, it was, I think it was sort of tied into where I was at kind of sliding before the pandemic. Uh -huh. um, I had been playing in some bands, which I enjoyed. Um, I think I started because of having kids and stuff like this kids who one of my kids is, you know, a young teenager and that's presenting problems and, and so forth. But I think then that was getting into this prospect of doing these long tours, you know, overseas in some cases. And I was just kind of dreading it. Like I just didn't was sort of like, eh, I don't know. I mean, I've done this, I've done this a lot. And mm -hmm. while I like, while I like the band and the people, it, it just seemed kind of daunting. And then the pandemic hit. And I was like, oh, well, that, you know, that takes care of that. Right. Um, and, you know, there was a number of months where I just did not play drums at all. I, you know, I'm sort of looking at myself, who am I? What's happening to me? What's happening to me? You know? And, you know, even now, you know, I've, I played on a record. I did a small tour back in December. But even now, it's sort of like I got to, you know, pull myself to go play for yeah. whatever re for whatever reason. And I don't, I don't really know why. I mean, it doesn't, at this point, it doesn't strike me as pandemic related. Sure. Um, right. But then again, you know, when I did go out on the road, I really did enjoy playing music. I was playing with this woman, um, Tali Zedek. You know, I did enjoy playing the shows a lot. Yeah. 
Well, um, one thing that did happen over the last couple of years is the release of all of the karate records with the numero group. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. In the process, if they haven't released them all individually, um, and then we're working on a box set of, okay. I guess it's going to be the last three records. So that's actually been really fantastic. And I think even more so for Jeff Farina, who's, you know, it's his, the bulk of his creative work that we just couldn't access the masters and we couldn't repress them. We couldn't get a royalty statement. We, you know, you know, it was sure. just one of those, I guess, classic stories of yeah. label m misadventures. So right. the opportunity to do it with Numero was great because their name precedes them. And, you know, they've done great things with a lot of great bands, at least in our milieu. And um, so that was super cool. And then the idea of playing shows came up sort of in instigated by this, I would, I would guess, you know, just that sort of coming full circle or something, or the records are now available again. And, um we just right. seemed like we can have the opportunity to play so right so the um it, it came about mostly because you were kind of wondering what happened to your previous label well yeah i mean it, jeff had spent probably the better part of 10 years on and off trying to get in touch with whoever was left and get information about well, where are the records you know, do you owe us any money for digital streaming or, or sales? And then we would threaten a, with a lawyer. And one time that was successful and that we got paid some money. Yeah. You know, here's what we owe you for the last couple of years in terms of sales and digital sales. There was even times where like they were over the years would repress like one of like a single or or do Whoa. a pressing, do a pressing of like, I remember there was a green vinyl copy of the first record that I think it was like, you know, Jeff emailed saying, do you guys remember if we ever put out a green vinyl, you know? Yeah. So it was, it was really odd and really uncool. And it was really, it seemed like it was just one or two people that were incommunicado. And when they sure. were, it, it was a bunch of you know, false promises about, oh yeah, I'm going to start giving you a statement every year or every six months or something. And that would just never materialize. Right. And finally, I guess they sort of relented or they got tired of managing any part of it and we got it all back. You did. Yeah. And that was all, you know, Jeff's relentless, you know, fueled by, I think his anger at the whole situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's been really great. Good. Yeah. And I've had some ex similar experience with smaller labels and other bands I've played in. Mm -hmm. And, and I am not at all defending these labels because I've, I've been mad at a few of them too, uh, with their lack of accounting and what I would consider laziness. But I think a lot of these older labels from the nineties got overwhelmed with having to account for digital, you know, like the lack of physical sales and the increase in digital, but the teeny increments that they have to account for, etc. Again, not an excuse. They just, I remember corresponding with someone about three years ago and they were just like, I, oh, I just lost the plot. I, that's why I don't account. I don't know. I probably owe you money. And it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. fuck. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You can't, I don't, I don't blame. It's not something I would want to try to manage. That's no, sure. God, you know? Yeah. For one band, one band, let alone like a roster of. I know. 
Well, yeah. You, as you said, you, you're going out on tour. You said you're enjoying playing live. you have any apprehensions about hitting the road for a long period of time? Well, I mean, I, I still have apprehensions about hitting the road for a long period of time. The karate stuff, I guess, by my standards, isn't a long period of time. Oh, okay. You know? So, you know, I guess initially I had some thoughts about, you know, the nature of, I guess, quote unquote, reunion tours. And, um, you know, from an audience perspective, I wonder if there's the potential for disappointment being built into the whole thing, because I, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of people there who remember us back in the day and really liked it and yeah. now have this perhaps hopeful expectation that it will meet those memories and mm -hmm. i just don't i don't know if that's possible i mean you can never you can't go back in time you can't have the same experiences that you had when you were younger or when you liked uh, a band so i was a little apprehensive about that saying you know failure is built into this thing <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know i've sort of dialed that feeling back a little bit and i, I mean it's nostalgia on my part to some extent as well. I mean, just right. because it was like a band I was in for a long time with those guys and, you know, being at the age for myself where it was like I was developing as a player and those guys were inspirational for me as developing as a player. And so, you know, musically, it really means a lot to me in that time period, in that age. That being said, when I went back and listened to a lot of those recordings, <laughs> I was just cringing um, in, in some ways. But Oh, God, you know, I do that, too. Yeah. Gotten, gotten over that. <laughs> and then now, you know, trying to relearn the songs and also this idea that like, oh, well, I'm going to be able to play this stuff so much better. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I can be more relaxed about the whole thing. But we'll see if that pans yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. We will see, and I hopefully I get to see here in Seattle. But until then, I'd like to play a tune. I'd like to play first release off of Sun Boots. Is that cool? Yeah. All right, here we go. Things seem to be missing these days 
come still around But the band doesn't play And gone is gone from Discovery Pie And Chinatown seems like three more miles And I can hardly discern between style Of kids' twisted love Genuine smile
journey right there thank you for doing that <laughs> yeah that's a I, I enjoy that too it reminded me sort of i think when jeff first presented like you know the verses and the choruses it was i was like oh this is a cool like indie rock thin lizzy tune or something, something like that i'm with, with a reggae at the same time you know i was like well i have been i think at the, around only listening to reggae at, the, at that sure, point yeah and i was like well let me see if i can do a fake <laughs> reggae beat in the verses right so it was it's a fun tune it captures everything that i love about karate and it is that his vocals are a little thin lizzy here and there we've got a little bit of a dub you know mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. couple sections where it's just bass and drums with the 16th note etc right uh, right it's really killer I hope I get to see that. Is, are you guys practicing that one? Well, yeah, I've I've uh, I've practiced that. <laughs> <laughs> I, so yeah, like I had mentioned, I think before we started that I practiced over the weekend, and then last night was actually listening to that song by itself, and it was sort of interesting because when I was practicing, it just felt really like I think I was probably overplaying or something. And, mm -hmm. But listening back to it, I was like, oh, this is a pretty good take. You know, yeah. everything is pretty tight and the, at least from the drum. So that sort of gave me a little perspective on what I need to think about when I'm when I'm practicing it, you know. But, yeah, that's on the, that's on the set list. All right. Great. Um, the other thing that just dawned on me in my kind of refreshing myself with your guys' catalog, really, is the Minutemen aspect. George Hurley and D. Boone and Mike Watt are probably my favorite musicians of all time, collectively and individually. And if I, I'll make up a Minutemen influence sometimes if I hear music, you know, I, I'm just always thinking about them. And right. it's so weird. It dawned on me listening to your tunes again. There's some Minutemen in there, at least, or did I make that up? Well, I don't think you made it up. Um, my perspective on that would be a little bit more vague. I know, Farina is a big, you know, big Minutemen fan. And I think during the time of the band, while I was familiar with parts of Double Nickels on the Dime or, or you know, whatever, it wasn't 
Minutemen were never like a big influence for me, but I, so I, I still I still wouldn't be surprised um, yeah. that you would hear something like that because I know Farina, you know, he grew up with them essentially. Right. Well, and then I realized in my exploration that you guys did a fish tank. Oh record, yeah, yeah. Which mm -hmm. I did with my band, the Black Heart Procession. Right. So that kind of caught my eye, and then I'm looking at the track listing, and you do Bob Dylan wrote propaganda yeah. songs, which another band of mine, Magic Magicians, we did that same cover. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So I was like, wow, my worlds are colliding. So did you did Fish Tank, was that with the X, or who did you com collaborate with? We we collaborated with Solbakken, and it was such a fun day. How, mm -hmm. how long did your Fish Tank collaboration take? I think it was just a day. We didn't, we collaborated with ourselves, obviously, you know. Yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't anybody else. Oh. Um, it was, I think we just said, well, hey, we just want to do covers or something. And Was it out in the farm? Somewhere, somewhere in the middle of, yeah, some field in the Netherlands somewhere. In a massive, a massive studio. Yeah, it, you know, as we talk about this, I feel like you and I must have operated at the same time through yeah. the same channels. Maybe we were just going the opposite way every time. I don't, I don't know if we've met, but it seems like you, well, to start, it seems like karate possibly looked to Louisville and Chicago for a little influence in the nineties, which is exactly what us Seattleites did too. I, I would say, I would say that's sort of true. I think though, for me and Jeff, we are, you know, we are mid mid Atlantic East Coasters. So, mm -hmm. for me, getting into rock music, it was definitely all DC hardcore and Philadelphia area and some Baltimore stuff. I grew up in Baltimore, um, and Jeff is from just north of there in central Pennsylvania. And then he lived in DC for a little while. I think right after college. So. I think, you know, early, early on as kids, that's, we were sort of, you know, East Coasters. And then, of course, in the 90s or whatever, there was certainly tons of stuff coming out of Chicago that was super interesting. And obviously, they have their own history of a punk rock scene. And of course, then there was the Louisville thing in the 90s, too. So, you know, it's all of it, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah listen to all of it. <laughs> and did you do a lot of touring in, in Europe, as I did in... I'd say ninety eight to two thousand four or something. <laughs> yeah, that was in, those. Those not only were those the exact years that Karate was touring a lot, but we couldn't go over there and not hear about the Black Heart Procession all the time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I sounded like you guys were over there a lot. As we well, were over there so. a lot, and that was the first and maybe only time I felt like a rock star in my life, especially playing uh -huh. in Italy. We would just play these shows, and it was like, who the fuck knows about our band? And yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, thousands of people at our shows in a, she, you a know, abandoned castle or something. Well, the similarities here continue because Italy <laughs> was the same situation for us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have this distinct memory. In 98 of our first, we had played in this little, like, community center in Slovenia, and a couple Italian guys had come, and they're like, oh, just wait till you get to Italy. And we're like, well... Oh shit! What's gonna happen? <laughs> and then we played the fir our first show. It was just like nuts, and people were going crazy. And we're like, "Wow, okay, this is gonna be good." So Italy was very good to us. 
and still is. I mean, we're going to go play a handful of shows there uh, oh, in August. I'm so lucky. I'm so, yeah. I am, I hope that comes back in my life one way or another. Maybe drum teching for you. I'm not quite sure. But... <laughs> I, I don't have much to work with. Oh, but great. you know, the funny, the funny, <laughs> the funny, yeah, it's easier for you. The funny thing about when I have gone back there with other bands, it never quite, you know, it wasn't the same. And obviously, because yeah. it, it's different bands and sure. um sort of what did remain was the sense of occasional chaos with the scheduling or something some pa blowing up of or course being late i mean there was a good story i would say is when i first went back there with uh i was playing in a band called e mm-hmm. and we were going to go to italy and i was sort of saying okay well you know, get ready for the chaos. It's like, it's fun, but it can be really wild. And so our first show of that tour was actually going to be in Venice, where I'd never played in Venice. And the process to get there was, you know, we sh- we had to go to this big loading dock on the water. And the weather was like, it was like 40 degrees and gale force, hurricane. And we had to load all of our gear, like, 10 feet down into a boat during this storm and then cruise in the boat with the gear and like we showed up soaking wet everything is wet one of the band members is getting super pissed about the whole thing and i'm just like well this is you know this is how things can happen in italy it can get (laughs) hectic the band was fighting because someone was super pissed off about like we shouldn't have to deal with this shit. And of course, you know, you don't want to deal with that stuff, but you know, it's adventure. It's adventure. It really is adventure. Yeah. By the end of the night, everybody had their fair share of wine. And it turned out the club owner was like a master hand drummer from Iran or something like this. We were sitting in a circle. This guy's playing and and my mind is just going, Oh my God, this guy was incredible. Um, so, so just that's what happens nice. there it's what fucking happens there it's, yeah, yeah yeah i off the top of my head there's a million different day-to-day stories but a kind of i'll leave auto grill out because i talk about auto grill all the time <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah italy is unpredictable mm-hmm. and if you have good shows there i to me it's like the best place to be and yeah. uh i want to get my example of the chaos of italy the fun chaos of italy is the black heart procession was at a big dinner before the show of course and it's taken forever and it's really fun and we don't care that much we're with the promoter we're over being too full for the show we're just like who gives it fuck that rule we'll just be too full for the show or whatever you know <laughs> right, right. Uh, so we're there and then it's like it gets to a point where it's pretty late i think we have to yeah. play in a half hour <laughs> and uh, the PA wasn't working when we left. Uh-huh. We didn't have a sound check. So we went to the big, long dinner, and the promoter ge- looks at me and goes, oh, my God, we really only have a half hour, and it's about a 20-minute drive. And I'm like, okay. So we leave the table in a rush, and we pile in a car, and we're driving, and then there's two people in the front speaking Italian. They pull over at a gas station, and I'm like, oh, we need gas. And I look, at, I look at the thing, and it's there's gas in this car. And they get us out and 
Paul's laughing and he's like, what are we doing? We have to get to the show. And he's like, we have to get espresso. That's, I, I mean, it's, it's all, it's almost like it's hard to believe that story only because it's so like <laughs> stereotypical. <laughs> we get out, fucking stand at the bar, drink our espresso. <laughs> they kind of hurry us and they tell us to relax and they kind of, and then of course right. we, we get there and the PA's, not working still anyways but my other impression is was in general of italy when those kinds of things are happening you know the promoter and whoever else seem to be yelling at each other right like and then i'm always like are they are they mad at us for something right i know like are are they just like talking are they mad they're always always somebody's yelling at somebody yeah so it can it can get pretty um as you know, hedonistic. Yeah, some of those things. Oh, I just need to do it at least a few more times in my life. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, also speaking of playing over in Europe, I listened to the Five Nine Five record, which I had never listened to. Uh, hmm. which is in Belgium. Yeah, in, live uh, show from Le- Belgium, right? Yeah, Leuven, Belgium, I think, which is uh right outside of Brussels. There's a song on there in hundreds mm-hmm. that I I went back and forth. I love the live version, and I can't remember if I was familiar with the re- studio version, but I went back and listened to the studio version, and the magic, the studio version is great. And typically, I don't love live versions of rock mm-hmm. bands, historically, for myself. But that fucking live version is magic. And it's fun to listen to both the uh, studio and the mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. live version back to back, but uh, all the sparkle and God, it's just incredible. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. you know, I haven't um, I haven't heard that as of late. Yeah. Did you guys track live in the studio? Um, generally, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'd play we'd play the song without vocals, and mm-hmm. and occasion and occasionally maybe Farina would drop out uh, uh-huh. to over to a solo. Like, sure. Would you say you're more of a live band or a studio band or? No, I mean, I think we were definitely a live band. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I, you know, my impression was it was just more rocking <laughs> or, or whatever, you know, when we would play live and, you know, the studio versions, I think the studio rec- records are generally you know, particularly the later ones are very accurate in capturing yeah. what we sounded like in that room at that time. But live was definitely, I think we all would would agree that we were a live band as opposed to a studio band, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's not a diss on that again. On the, yeah. On yeah, that yeah. studio I mean, version. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the live record in concept is a little odd and it always, it does always sort of leave, it always comes out after the studio record. Right. So you always have to compare it to the studio version. And most of the time they don't sound as good as you like. And sure. I, I mean, the, I guess the live record is a little fraught with weirdness to begin with. So sure. <laughs> you know. Well, five, nine, five kills it. So, yeah, well, you know, that of that, of the, I guess the live milieu, I was really happy with how that came out. You know, mm-hmm. that it, we do sound pretty good, you know, yeah. as a band. And it's, the funny thing was, after that show ended, I thought we had played terribly, <laughs> which 
which goes to show, yeah. you know, how one's perception of what they're doing might not at all be accurate in the moment. I remember I was super tired. It was at the end of a long tour. I think even like some of my hardware was failing and I was getting pissed, mm -hmm. if I recall. I was like, whatever. And then, you know, whenever we heard the record, I was like, whoa, this is that show. This, I think like, oh, maybe I should just be tired all the time and that will make me play better. <laughs> I know. Yeah. For my playing, I'd like to to master it, basically putting, if I'm tired or distracted by a certain amount of things, then I don't have to pay attention to my playing as much. And like you're saying, it's that's when you potentially just are, are just playing. Yeah, yeah. I need to be playing on less of a cerebral level at times, and mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. drives me fucking nuts when I am. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely something to say for, you know, detachment, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, a at a certain point, at a certain point. I mean, obviously, when you're young and you're starting out, you are going to think, um, probably overthink things, or, you know, yeah. you're, try you're trying as opposed to just doing yeah, I mean, I I hear that a lot in, in the karate stuff. You know, why was I trying to put all these little notes and then like trying to be clever? And then I'm listening. It's like the beat. Like, where's the beat? You know, it's like <laughs> should just be just play the play a beat and not worry about like trying to be clever or you know just barely pulling off little little things that you know, didn't even need to be tried. Oh, and stuff, so. I am so guilty of that stuff. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, when did, when does your tour start? Uh, we are starting, I believe July 6th here in Boston. And you'll make it to the West coast shortly after. Yeah. We're going to do five shows here, I guess on the East coast, we are going to go to Chicago to do two shows. And then we're going to fly to Seattle and do Seattle, Portland, san francisco los angeles all right great all right man well i'll let you go and i'll, I'll look okay. for you in in july all right man take care of yourself travel safe if you travel will do thanks joe sure bye
long task Sickness, love In these hands Sudden number For answers In hundreds I said prayer Missed some train Lost some friends Some forgave Why but you just a couple minutes I of changing things for good I want to put aside this poison Like I always knew I should Knew I should
Thanks a lot. It's called In Hundreds. <laughs>